my name is Mel Court. I'm in the class of 2023, and I'm here today with alum Luther Kazam from the class of 18. Introduce yourself, please. Hey, y'all. Um, I'm Luther Kazam. I graduated in 2018. <laughs> I'm a poet and writer from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I had the real pleasure today of getting to read some poems from my debut collection titled Have I Told You About My Superpowers at a school meeting this morning, and it was a real treat. I was starstruck because I know Miss Pacelli gave me a copy of your book last year when I was taking her poetry class, and I was like, whoa, I know exactly what he's talking about. Anyways, <laughs> so to start off super general, um, how would you define poetry? Well, you led with a tough question. I know, well, this is, this is my go-to, so. I think poetry is the... Poetry is the distillation of language to its purest form to convey stories and emotions and feelings in a way that prose cannot. I think a poem is about not necessarily always finding the right word, though that's often the case, but it's much more about finding the right image or sound or feeling to express through, through the words, and by really distilling language to that fundamental foundational level, um, I think you can tell stories and feelings in a poem that you can never capture in any other way. If you told me you read that off like a PowerPoint slide, I'd be like, yeah, it checks out. Um, how would you describe like the way that you write, stylistically or form-wise or content-wise? I like to say that I'm not necessarily a poet's poet. Mm. Um, I tend to focus on being pretty accessible. So most of my poems are very narrative heavy. Um, in Superpowers, every poem within the collection is its own kind of story. And I like to piece those stories together to tell a larger story. So Superpowers... Um, has an arc to it, right? There's mm -hmm. a, a mania into a depression, into finding life in the middle. And so I think one aspect of my writing is that it's very lyrical. I mean, not lyrical. Well, lyrical too, but very narrative um, and also very accessible. I play with form a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you'll find sonnets in the book, sestinas. Um, I like to kind of take inspiration from other poems. Um, so I I sh actually shout out two other poems in the book that I took inspiration from. Uh, and I like to kind of make plays on things that are already accepted and add my own flavor to it. Yeah, I was, I was going to say I really liked your Red Wheelbarrow reimagining. I also hate that poem. Yeah, I think, I think it gets a, the Red Wheelbarrow, um, for, for everyone listening, is a really short image poem by William Carlos Williams. And it's pretty controversial. There's mm -hmm. a lot of debate over, is it even a poem? And I actually, it's not really my least favorite poem, uh, but that fit for the title, so you take some <laughs> creative liberties. Um, I think it kind of gets a bad rep. I don't really think it's supposed to be anything more than it is. Mm. And I think the reason people hate it and why I really disliked it for a long time is because I was trying to make it more than it was. Um, and I think... William Carlos Williams is just saying, this is what's there, right? Um, and be moved by it, or don't be moved by it. That's the reader's choice. And so what I tried to do with my reimagination of that poem was to make it have a story. 
um, kind of like the Hemingway really short story about uh, for sale baby shoes never worn. I tried to reimagine those eight lines into a kind of a narrative. And with the specific memories and stories, a lot of them were Mercesburg related. Like I know I saw the boxer bikini run part and I was like, oh, well, this makes a lot more sense. But like, what was that like, especially coming back and reading those pieces here? Yeah, it was, it's really special to be able to come back to Mercersburg and read poems that were inspired by my time here. Um, in particular, my friend Joe Beauregard, who graduated with me and then passed away later that year. Um, it's really meaningful to get to come back and read a poem, you know, about him to a group of people that don't know him, but in a place that he and I both loved. Um, and then there are a lot of references. Mercersburg was really a formative period in my life. Um, I was pretty miserable when I was here, by and large. Um, but that was mostly because of my mental illness and not because of Mercersburg. And I think that Mercersburg was the best place for me at the wrong time. It was a really mm -hmm. tough time in my life. Um, but Mercersburg really did help shape me into the... Uh, person I am today and I, I think I like to think that I like the person I am today so I'm really <laughs> grateful to Mercersburg for that but since a lot of those poems were about struggles and hard times with mental illness um, Mercersburg does make some appearances for sure because I had I did have some hard times right. with mental illness when I was a student here so were a lot of those like retroactive retroactive like looking back or did you write a lot of those pieces while you were here so I think I started writing what became superpowers in 2021, mm -hmm. um, in March. And a lot of it was reflection and looking back mm -hmm. on areas from Mercersburg. And then a lot of it was looking about things I wanted to do. Um, but I wasn't allowing myself to do because they would have been unhealthy. So, right. um, like I, I didn't go on that tender date. Um, I didn't try drugs. I didn't, I mean, these are trade secrets, but you know, I didn't <laughs> do a lot of that. I, I imagined what it would be like to do it. Right. Or I imagined I had done it already, but I was wanting to do it again, and so I stopped mm -hmm. doing it. And so instead of, like, living on all of my urges, I wrote a poem for every different urge, which is why they're all titled Poem. That was my next question. I, um, because, like, I did go on a Tinder date and drive, like, 90 miles in the night, but I never got there. She told me to turn around halfway there. Um, so, but the poem, does, that doesn't happen in the poem, right? Um, or I did like steal some money from some people like the poem I read today, mm -hmm. but I didn't steal from my roommate and definitely not from my mother, right. you know, so you, you do take those, um, better truths, those better story moments. Um, because it's not that I didn't feel like stealing from my mom. I mean, I really wanted to in the time, but I didn't, it's speculative. you know, yeah, it's speculative. It's fiction, right? Right. Um, and I think poetry can be fictional. I think there's a big, uh, misconception that poetry is very... While personal, um, it has factual. to be autobiographical and yeah. factual. And I would say that um, by the definition, superpowers is autobiographical. I am the protagonist. It's about me, and I drive the action forward. But a lot of it is fictional, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think that it's the fiction aspect of superpowers is what allows me to tell stories that um, really can move people right. because because the truth is almost too scary for people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I actually kind of dilute it by making it fiction. 
and that makes it more accessible and um, helpful and successful for, for people who want to read it, I think. I know exactly where you're coming from there. Like, a lot of my pieces are, like, there's a grain of truth in there, but it's augmented. Mm-hmm. Um, that better story part you were talking about, though, you said that was Mr. Maurer? Yeah, so Mr. Maurer gets mad at me. He uh, he tells me that it came from Tim O'Brien and Yann Martel. <laughs> Um, but I like to say he repackaged it in a way that made it into my 16-year-old ears and made sense. Um, but Mr. Maurer, the, the, the gist of the, the, the lesson is that something can be true and not factual, and mm-hmm. that's the better story. And in the 11th grade AP language class, back when they still had AP here, um, we read The Life of, Life Pi, of Pi and The Things yeah. They Carried. <laughs> And that's one of the key talking points between those books is that something can be the better story even if it wasn't necessarily factual, right. but it would still be true. And I think that's what I did in Superpowers. That was, just give me a minute on that one. That was cool. <laughs> um, what kind of writers inspire you? What are you inspired by? Well, I read a ton. Um, which is a prerequisite to being a writer. Mm -hmm. You must be a reader. Um, So some of my favorite poets include... uh, So I like... uh, Wow, I mean, I love tons of poets. Carolyn Frechet. um, The Colonel. The Colonel. Yeah. Um, I got to hear her read. Whoa. Um, And then Ilya Kaminsky. (gasps) He is my absolute favorite. So I love Ilya Kaminsky. Um, He and I are next to each other on a bookshelf um, in a bookstore in Charlotte. And so I love Deaf Republic. I love Deaf Republic. (laughs) Um, And then I've started recently, I'm working on a novel, um, Mm -hmm. and my my ultimate hope in life is to be a full-time novelist um, who also writes books of poetry. But I think most of my life I want to write prose and novels maybe more than poetry. And so some of my favorite authors are Steinbeck. Mm. Um, I think he's just brilliant. Um, I love Haruki Murakami. Of course. Um, he's got some weird stuff going on. There's like a weird moment or two in every one of his books that you're like, I don't know if this needed to be With here. The cats and Kafka on the shore. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> and, and like, you know, there's weird stuff, but I really, really admire Murakami. Um, and then I'll get heat for this, but I adore how, how Hemingway writes. I don't like him as a person. Um, he was kind of a nasty guy. <laughs> And some of his, like, hyper-masculine stuff mm. can be problematic. But uh, I really do enjoy a good Hemingway book. The Old Man in the Sea, I read that again recently. And it's one of my favorite novellas. I think it's just a powerful story. I, I like simple stories. Mm. Um, I think when, when lots of variables get introduced, I, I lose focus and I get distracted by all the variables. So I think some of my favorite stories are very, very simple, um, almost retellings at times of old stories. Um, and I, I find that to be really powerful. Well, prose, that just seemed to like come out of left field a little bit. So what has that been like? So I think the first time I tried to write a novel, I was 16 and in the band room in the Bergen. And definitely not in the right state of mind to be writing a novel. Um, and I was listening to all of the lights by Kanye West on repeat. Yeah, that, that would do it. Well, <laughs> I, uh, and I worked on it and I think I got to like 10,000 words in two weeks and then I like quit. Um, and you know, I attempted and failed 
um, dozens of times trying to write novels to varying degrees of success. I mean, I, I got to like 57,000 words in one and then I put it down, which is for, for the non-writers, 57,000 words is roughly 200 pages. Um, so I quit two thirds of the way through. Um, but, um, last summer I wanted to take a class on editing, Mm. um, but there wasn't any class on editing offered. And so I suggested an independent study to a professor who I'm particularly close with at UNC Charlotte and she was game, but she said, you know, we got to have a draft of something. And I said, well, I'll write a draft over the summer. Um, and she's like, are you sure you're going to do that? Cole? And I was (laughs) like, well, I better, or I'm going to fail the class. And so, um, over the summer of 2022, um, I wrote a novel, and I wrote a first draft, and I found that if I want to write a first draft, I have to write it by hand. So I wrote um, 175 pages by hand with no formatting in a moleskin notebook, and then I typed it up and called it a second draft, and then I, you know, went through and edited it for my class, and at the end of the semester, I looked at it and I said, I have a total mess of a story. And this, as it stands, is in no condition to do anything with. Um, mm. But I learned how to write a novel by creating this. And so I'm going to try again. And so in October of, of 2022, I started over. Um, I had just broken up with a girlfriend, so I had a lot of good... Uh, <laughs> material. <laughs> well, not just material, but time on my hands. Um, and so I finished the, the, the first draft in January by hand again, and now I'm currently working on a, a rewrite um, for a second draft. Um, and it's really been a powerful, fun experience for me. And I've, my poetry definitely helps in the novel writing process. I bet. But it also makes it a lot harder in some ways, too. Um, as a poet, I think we really care about language, mm-hmm. and we want language to as best as it can be. And I think in the writing of a first or second draft of a manuscript that's 80,000 words, um, there's no hope for every sentence to be great. And that comes later. And so I've, um, letting go of the need for it to be perfect the first time has been a real challenge. But if I can let go of that need in a poem, I can certainly transfer that skill to something longer and arguably more ambitious. Right. You got to get all the messy stuff out first. Well, it's not, it's not about, like, just getting it out. I think that's kind of a misconception as well. Like, I think you really should think about what you put on the page mm-hmm. the first time. Um, and it should be hard to write a first draft. Like, it should be, like, even for a poem, like, I don't know what the right word is. I'm going to sit here and think about it. But it shouldn't be, like, this word has to be perfect, right? It, it sh- it, I think it should be, this word is good word. It might not be the best word, but it's a good word, so I'm going to put it down. Mm. Right. Whereas I think a lot of people think like if I just throw it all on the page, I can make sense of it. Well, you got to have something to make sense of. Right. So I think it's not about sacrificing quality for quantity. That's if you ever start sacrificing quality of your work, you're going to it's going to suffer as a whole at every stage. I think it's much more about not being attached to the perfection of the first and second and third or any draft, really, Um, because perfection is not attainable. And understanding that it can be better allows you to improve it, right? So if you're arrogant enough to think that your first draft is perfect, right. you can't improve. Um, and I, so I really do think that, that it's important to put a quality first draft down, right? Um, otherwise, you just rewrite the whole thing and you wasted your time. But I don't think that first draft 
need to be perfect should get in the way of it coming into existence in the first place. Well, I was going to ask what advice you had for young writers, but that was... <laughs> well, I've, I've got some young advice writers, young writer advice, too. Um, I think to be a writer, um, and I'm still doing this myself every day. Um, I'm, I'm, I like to think I'm pretty young for a writer. Um, there are three things you need to do every day to be a writer. Um, you need to read. Mm-hmm. You need to read a lot. You need to read random things that you don't necessarily have interest in. You need to write every day because you learn things in reading and you practice them by writing. And if you don't practice, you're never going to get better. Practice makes better. And the third thing that I think a lot of people overlook, because everyone will tell you to read and write, but I think there's a third thing you have to do. And um, if I'm giving like the whole spiel, I say you got to read, you got to write, you got to live. And what I mean by live is I think you have to be moved emotionally every day. And... I think that can be anything. You can be moved to tears. You can laugh. You can um, be moved to thought, right? But I think it's very important to go out and experience the world and experience real joy and real pain, both yours and others, because ultimately all we can do as writers is try to capture what's already so powerful in the real world. And so if you never get out and experience it, uh, you don't know what you're looking for. You just, like, wrapped it up, tied it in a little bow. <laughs> well, I'm a poet. That's what we do. <laughs> Fair. Um, any other closing thoughts? I have a, I have a story. Um, yeah. I was at a... Um, this is random, but this will kind of explain the, the poet mindset. Um, I was at a funeral for um, someone I didn't know. And... I was there in support of someone, and at that funeral, I was just kind of like a witness, you know. It wasn't, I had no emotional involvement. I'd never met the person who was deceased, um, but I watched people laugh and cry and blow their noses and hug each other, and I was really, really moved by it, which is something as a writer I really value, and it made me think that, um, you know, everybody had things they wanted to tell the guy who had passed away that they had never gotten to tell him. And for various reasons, it was sudden, he was young, all that kind of stuff. But um, I guess the thought I'd like to leave everybody with is that somebody out there loves you, and you love somebody out there too. And the fact that you have something you want to tell them, and they have something they want to tell you that you might not have told... um, makes you a writer in some ways because you've been moved and you have a story to tell. And ever since I've been to that funeral, I've called, I've called my friends. I've, you know, called people I'm not even that close with, um, just to say, I love you. And so anybody listening to this, I hope that you will find that way to tell the people you need to tell you love them. Um, even if that's saying, I love you, or if that's writing them a poem or if that's, you know, taking the trash out so your husband or wife doesn't have to. Um, because I think life ultimately is about the connections we make with others. So thank you, Mercersburg, for having me. And <laughs> Thank you for being here. And, and thank you, Mercersburg, for helping to shape me into the person I am today. Would you want to, like, say your book title again? Oh, yeah. So um, my book is titled Have I Told You About My Superpowers? It's by Luther Kassam. 
it's available online where books are sold. So that means like Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Um, it's also available if you live in Charlotte, North Carolina at Park Road <laughs> Books. You can order it off of their website too, Park Road Books Charlotte. Um, and the last thing I'll say is if you do order my book on Amazon, please leave a review. Um, it really does help starving writers like myself. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you.